25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to the Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What is up? How are y'all on a Tuesday? I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. That's the way it is at Farm Bureau. I get to deal with somebody one-on-one. The great thing about Farm Bureau, they are your hometown heroes. Yep, absolutely. Especially, you know, you have that fender bender, I don't know, Saturday night, midnight. Who are you going to call? You're not going to call the Ghostbusters. You're going to call your local Farm Bureau agent. All right, welcome in. I am uh, coming to you live and, you know, um, alive, I should say, <laughs> uh, from the beautiful Gulf Coast, uh, in our case, in the family's case, here uh, at the beach in Alabama. And uh, we usually go to Dauphin Island, and, you know, that way you we kind of feel like we're out and away from everyone else. And there's this feeling here of you have it all to yourself. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are. Now, the downside of that is, uh, the normal connectivity to the rest of the world, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, strong, fast internet, um, in, in that case, that's what I need uh, to connect to Roger every day. So the show is a little bit different this week. I'm actually, um, for most parts of the day, toes in the sand, listening to the waves. Um, every now and then, you know, uh, ducking a seagull, something like that. That's what's going on for the Wyatts this week. But in between, sitting down here with you for a couple of hours to uh, jump on the radio, talk a little sports with you, get ready for next week, which is going to be a big week with uh, SEC Media Days coming uh, and all that. So it, it definitely a different show. It's kind of like um, a little work mixed in with a whole lot of vacation and swimming and smearing on sunscreen this week for me. And so you'll notice that difference as you uh, listen throughout the week. And I appreciate you tuning in. In fact, I would not be surprised at all if a lot of folks are listening online, streaming it, uh, maybe um, with their phones from the beach yourselves. Maybe you're finishing up your summer vacation or just getting started. I don't know. But we're just getting started down here. And, Lord, is it hot. It is (laughs) It is brutally hot. You know, the kind of hot where it's hard to walk on the beach without something on your feet because the sand's so hot. Um, and I know that one of the news stories uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, and it finally kind of happened over the last couple of days there at home in Mississippi on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, all the beaches are shut down because of that algae bloom that has happened out there in the Gulf, and it was off Louisiana, and then it floated its way east, and now it's closing all the beaches 
they're at home in Mississippi on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So we're here in Alabama. We're safe, but uh, a lot going on, a lot going on. And uh, on that note, let me give you a heads up. Today's show in the Farm Bureau studio on location with the waves uh, about 100 yards behind me here out the window. Um, a lot to get to. One thing I'm, I'm going to get into, I was just kind of thinking coming into today. Today's Tuesday. That means um, one week from today, uh, you're going to hear this show live from Hoover, Alabama at um, SEC Media Days there. And Matt Luke, everybody associated with Ole Miss that is going to Media Days, they'll take center stage one week from today. And uh, so today on this show, going to take a little bit of a, I don't know, just uh, an overview, um, uh, kind of thinking out loud about that Ole Miss football team and um, just not preview, but I have a few thoughts as you look at their coaching staff, what they've added, but you look at players that are, uh, that they're going to replace. You look at last year's team for Ole Miss, maybe in a lot of ways, nowhere to go, but up certainly defensively, nowhere to go, but up. And they're probably going to improve on the defensive side of the ball. But it will come down to depth and players, and they have a long way to go in that regard. Or at least that's the thought anyway. And one of the teams that Ole Miss is going to play early in the year is the team that uh, we're going to have today on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We're at team number 53. That means today is 53 days away from August the 31st. That deserves a sip of coffee. From High Point Roasters in New Albany, my man Dan, the coffee man, Dan Skinner up there in New Albany. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so Memphis, number 53. We talked about Memphis a couple of weeks ago, but there's a little bit more to it. And we were short on time a couple of weeks ago when we talked about that Memphis team. Uh, so we got plenty of time to do that today. Going to jump into that coming up a little bit later uh, also. There's something going on this week, not today, but tomorrow for uh, Mississippi State media members. You don't know about this, but I'm giving you a heads up. You'll hear some things uh, about this, and uh, it's pretty cool. They're going to get to interact with Joe Moorhead. I'll tell you just a little bit about that on today's show also. And um, a couple of other things. One, Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU, I have a few thoughts on him. I watched some film, went back to last season for Joe looking at kind of his trend, I guess if you want to call it that, of of improvement and steady play from the beginning of last season to the end. You know, he led LSU to nine wins. And I'm curious what you think. What do you think the perception of Joe Burrow is as a starting quarterback in the SEC? And does that match the reality of what he did and some of the plays that he made? And we can get into that also later today. And then finally, um, I want to take a look at a tweet that came in during yesterday's show on my Twitter feed. If you don't follow me, please do. I'm Radio Wyatt on Twitter. Jason, Jason Leathers, who's an avid listener to the show. Uh, He lives out in Arizona. He sent an interesting tweet with a thought there and um, followed Jason for a while. He's interacted for a while on uh, uh, on the Twitters. Uh, with me and with others in the sports media world. And this is a a drum that he's been beating going back to last year, and it has to do with Mississippi State football. So kind of a a loaded show for you, a lot to try to get to with you here today in the middle of the day as 
we're kind of in that transition period. We really are. Um, there's really no way uh, to avoid that reality. We are kind of in the transition from what feels like, you know, this time of year you transition from what is, quote, last year to what is, quote, has been next year, right? So we're kind of in between the the 2018-2019 school year, season, all that is behind us with baseball over. We're at the all-star break in Major League Baseball. And not this week, but next week is SEC Media Days, which they call that the, the unofficial start to the college football season. It ha- kind of has become that over the years, or at least we look at it that way because we have Media Days, we talk football, it's on your TV, and then the very next week or so, they begin practices, and then we're off and running in the preseason with coverage and all that kind of stuff. So we're just kind of in that over-the-hump week. That's what this is from one week to the next. As um, and, and as I mentioned yesterday, you look ahead to media days next week. As Nacho would say, it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. So anyways, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Thank you, Nacho. Time to get down to the nitty-gritty. You know, um, let me give you a heads up on this. Other than the teams and coaches, Moorhead and Luke and quarterbacks and all that, I don't even know who the players are. I don't even know if it's been announced yet who the players are that are attending SEC Media Days. Maybe it has. I just haven't looked. Um, You know, we kind of get the same crew every year, a lot of quarterbacks, and some teams will choose not to take their quarterback. But outside of players and coaches, you have others who uh, step to the microphone give presentations, talk to the media, either make a splash or try to, um, that kind of thing. The commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, he'll talk um, and, and kind of go through all the you know superlatives, teams that won national championships um, throughout the league, all the good they do. There'll be the, you know, it's just kind of the opening spiel uh, every year. A lot of people do cover it. I like it. I listen, read it. I usually don't turn around and deliver that to you as a listener unless there's something really interesting in there. But another guy from the SEC level who usually talks and makes some points and gives everybody heads up and kind of gives a speech at the beginning, you know, first couple days of SEC media days is um, Shaw. Is it David? No, David Shaw. David Shaw is the coach. Uh, Steve Shaw. I was was drawing a blank on his first day. David Shaw is the coach at Stanford. Steve Shaw is the SEC coordinator of officials. And it did make a little news going back about a month ago. It was during the SEC baseball season. So in other places, people latched onto this news. We didn't as much in Mississippi because we were focused on baseball. But they announced that there's going to be an effort to do a few new things from a transparency standpoint for SEC officiating. One is going to be that I think Steve Shaw himself, who is the coordinator of officials, very well liked, a very nice guy. I think a lot of him. He has a really tough job, but Steve was a great official uh, in his time, you know, wearing the stripes and calling games and now he's kind of moved up he is going to do some media appearance stuff and if i read it correctly and i guess we'll get the details maybe a little uh, more in-depth next week at media days but steve shaw is going to make himself available 
every week during the college football season, and I think that's going to happen on the SEC Network. Now, whether that's on you know a separate show that's just for him going over calls that were made in SEC games or whether it's like an appearance on the Feinbaum show, I don't know exactly how they're going to do that, but but I took it as it was going to be a weekly steady thing where Steve Shaw, the coordinator of officials for the league, was going to be – you'll see his face. He's going to be on camera talking to you as a fan on the SEC network going over some of the things. And if there's a controversial thing, maybe he's there to explain some of that. Um, the thing about that, if that happens, what I think is interesting is you cannot, as you – we very well know you you cannot go through an SEC football season without not not controversial calls i'm talking without blown calls that are obvious blown calls where things go wrong they didn't get it right you have so much replay and i think that's one of the more inexcusable things that happens a lot still in the SEC in recent years is they the officiating crews have at their disposal um this vast replay system and still get some calls wrong. And then at other times, not even use the replay system when it is available to them to get a call, right? And we saw that some last year also. So there's always going to be things that are touchy that you can't defend. If you are Steve Shaw and the coordinator of officials and you get front and center on the media to talk about something that happened on the previous Saturday, there are going to be some that you can't defend. There's going to be some that he's going to have to say, yeah, that was – we got it wrong. And I I wonder, number one, how that's going to go over. I know how it will go over with me, and that is if there's accountability on the side of the officials, whether it's the official himself who maybe got something wrong or whether it's the coordinator who's kind of the boss, he's the, the head coach, if you will, of all the officials. Either one, if they're saying, yeah, well, we kind of got it wrong, to me – I can sort of accept that. You know, in most cases, you can kind of accept that because they're just looking at you saying, well, we wanted to get it right. We didn't. We got it wrong. Can't go back and redo it, so we'll just try to be better going forward. At least there's this, you know, admittance that, hey, you got it wrong. So if you have the coordinator of officials on television every week on the SEC network during the football season and there's explanations and sometimes maybe even apologies, <laughs> to me that could be really, really interesting in terms of how it's done. It really could. You know, I don't know what the situation is with the SEC Network channel in terms of whether it's drawing a rating yet or not. I think it is, but I don't know that. I think it could be actually big ratings depending on what happens. You know, you let a big situation happen where there's a either a blown call or just a controversial one. Maybe they get it right, but it's controversial in some way. You know, maybe there's, maybe there is a, um, a um, an issue on the field or a targeting play or something where a player has to leave, and you know, and it's held up by replay or whatever. Um, you know, hearing and seeing someone representing those officials talking about it on television could be interesting if it's done right. I will say, um, in the past not everything in terms of the finished product that went out onto your television on the SEC network, not all of it has always been done right. There's, you know, some laziness there over the over the years with the channel, but at least it's there and we have it. 
you know, and it's there for live sporting events. So anyway, I'm just kind of giving you a heads up that I think you as a state fan, an Ole Miss fan, an LSU fan, Bama, whoever you root for in the SEC, that's something you need to be aware of that this time next week it won't just be, I don't think anyway, it'll, it's not going to just be here's a soundbite from a coach or here's what this particular player at this team said. And I think you're going to have a few other things next week. And those, it, it almost feels like it's one of those years where that story about the league as a whole starting to take a a different approach than they ever have before in regards to the accountability of officiating or at least trying to improve it in some ways and do some things different than they've done before, I think that might be a story. Um, I may be wrong. It may slip through the crack and not even get picked up. We'll see. But I'll have my eyes and ears open for that next week, and uh, I think you should too. All right, so uh, I mentioned to you, yeah, all-star break. That's one thing that the SEC Network uh, and the SEC uh, as a whole did pretty well over the years is starting to kind of get their media days in that um, all-star break window because there's really nothing else going on in the sports world and get a lot of coverage, get a lot of run for uh, that event if you have it at the right time. My favorite thing about uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend, it is the home run derby. And you had that last night. I, I don't care one bit about watching some unathletic celebrities play a softball game. You definitely had that. And it, it interests me not one bit. And even the game itself, the thing about the game is they've added the importance of, you know, one league or the other. You win the All-Star game, you're going to get that home field in the World Series for American League or National League, whichever one it is. And I like that. I think it's pretty cool. But still, I I don't I, I don't necessarily sit down and watch every inning of the All Star game. Maybe I, I should, but the home run derby to me is incredibly entertaining. You know, you know you're going to see home runs. I think that's the number one thing that is interesting every year that draws people in to the home run derby, and it's because this whole idea that goes way back this cliche of chicks love the long ball, chicks dig the long ball, chicks love the home run, right? We watch to see if the ball is going over the fence. It's kind of a, of a climax if you're watching a baseball game is connect, there goes the ball into the crowd, he rounds the bases. Um, you know, a big strikeout is just as important, right, at times, or a big defensive play, but it still doesn't – get your blood flowing like seeing the ball go over the fence. I mean, it's the best thing in baseball, seeing it go over the fence. And so when you watch the home run derby, it's the best hitters in the world, and you know they're about to hit a bunch of balls over the fence. And it's about distance, and it's one after the other. It's fast pace. And the other thing is, too, you know, you're watching the guys up there at the plate, and they don't have to wear a helmet. A batting helmet. So there's no element of the pitchers trying to get at them. This is strictly them showing off. We can see them. You know, we can see their hair flopping around, and so it's different in that regard too. And I will say, you know, as much um, flack as I've given ESPN over the years for different things, the way they cover the home run derby, it, it really is incredible. Last night you had Chapman from the A's hit one 432 feet. Um, let's see, you had Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit one 488 in the second round. 
you had the most – let's see. Yeah, Guerrero, who didn't win it, he finished runner-up. Vlad Guerrero Jr. had 450-foot home runs 17 times. He hit the ball over 450 feet 17 (laughs) times uh, during the home run contest last night. But the guy who hit the ball the hardest was Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Atlanta Braves. Now, he didn't make it into the finals. He was eliminated by uh, Alonzo, who went on and won it for the Mets. But, again, I go back to when he first got called up uh, last year by the Atlanta Braves and uh, Ender Enciarte, their veteran center fielder who's been around the majors for a long time, said after just a couple of batting practice sessions, he said, I've never seen a guy hit the ball as hard as this kid does, Ronald Acuna Jr. And so he had a bunch of home runs. He was there. I think he made it to the Final Four in this home run derby. But Acuna had the highest average exit velocity in the home run derby last night at 107, averaged 107.4 miles per hour. Um, It really was incredible. And this guy, Alonso, the former Florida Gator, uh, he's just incredible. I mean, the power, you see it in his swing. It's so short and compact. It was just a lot of fun. So hats off to the home run derby. I hope you got to watch. If you're a baseball fan, I hope you got to watch it. Um, last night. All right. Just getting started with you here on this Tuesday. I'm Matt. I've taken the Farm Bureau studio with me to the beach. It's right out the window, right behind me. I can see the ocean. (laughs) Maybe I'll go have some cake by the ocean just a little bit later. You never know. A long way to go with you here on this Tuesday. Just getting started. Connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Sticker. with you. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are the home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, local insurance agents, you probably already know them. You go to church with your Farm Bureau agent, your kids go to school together, so you sit next to each other in the carpool line. That's the way it is with Farm Bureau. It's the way it ought to be. It's the way it is. All right, I'm Matt. I've taken the Farm Bureau studio with me on the road. I'm at the beach. I'm actually in my condo right now, the window right behind me. I'll tweet out a picture or something like that just to prove it. Huh? You believe me? I am Radio Wyatt on Twitter, uh, so hit me up there. Coming up a little bit later, we'll have team number 53 on the countdown. After they switched up my uh, list on the ESPN Football Power Index, it um, it put a repeat in there for me <laughs> at 53. But that's okay because the first time we hit that team that we're going to have a little bit later, we were in a hurry. We were running out of time. We kind of just touched on the high points. Today we're going to take a little bit more of an in-depth look at uh, team number 53. 53 days from right now, it'll be August the 31st. We'll be watching football. And 
and it'll probably be uh, one of the teams that you root for. In fact, I think, what, both State and Ole Miss are playing early games on Saturday the 31st. What they, I know State's is like 11 a.m. What they schedule the Memphis and Ole Miss game? Don't we have a game time for that yet? I'm sure we do. I'll look it up. <clears throat> Can you tell when you're on vacation and you're at the beach like I am, uh, some of the minute details in life just don't matter as much? You Have you noticed that? Like, normally – Roger, have you noticed that? Normally, Roger would look it up, send me the note. I would look it up. Right now, we're just kind of like we're kicking back, <laughs> sort of. All right. Um, no, this is um, Tuesday of the week before SEC Media Day. So one week from today, Ole Miss and Matt Luke and his players that are going to accompany him will be uh, taking center stage at SEC Media Days in Hoover. You'll have other um, teams there with them, but, you know, Ole Miss will be uh, a part of it. And as far as the attendees, I'm going to see if I can actually find that. Um, we, we may know who the attendees are, but we may not. We may find that act out at some point during the week here. We'll just kind of have to see uh, when when we get it. But – what you're going to have is next week on Monday, it's going to be Florida, LSU, and Missouri. So Dan Mullen, Ed Ogeron, and Barry Odom on Monday. And so one week from today, you'll have Kirby Smart of Georgia, Matt Luke of Ole Miss, Jeremy Pruitt of Tennessee, and Jimbo Fisher from A&M all jumping up at the podium and taking questions and that kind of thing. And if you – you know, read the tea leaves. Let me just go ahead and prepare you for something. One week from today, a huge part of the story will not be Matt Luke and Ole Miss. The The people at the SEC Network, our friend Paul Feinbaum, I, I think a lot of Paul. I think he's a really smart guy, and I love the work that he does and uh, ad, admire it and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things I admire, their ability to kind of find something that's going to get people, you know, stirred up a little bit for different days of SEC media days. They do a fantastic job of that. <laughs> and uh, I think this year that is going to be Jimbo Fisher, his exit from Florida State, and year one at A&M. It followed, followed by an incredible recruiting class finish in year one for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. But they started kicking over that anthill yesterday on Feinbaum and other stuff, uh, but it kind of originated there, of Jimbo Fisher was really kind of, they were glad to see him go at Florida State. Um, in spite of all the success and a title and all that, they were glad to see him go from Florida State. And so that will get a huge fan base in Texas A&M all riled up one week ahead of SEC Media Day. It's really a smart move uh, by Paul and everybody there. It's a smart move on their part, I think. That's going to be something that will kind of overtake uh, SEC Media Days one week from today. So, for, for and I'm talking about from an overall standpoint. For me and you, though, one week from today, we're going to pay attention closely to what Matt, Matt Luke and Ole Miss players say, and we're going to deliver that to you live from uh, Hoover next week, one week from today. What do you think about that Ole Miss team? One thing that, to me, I think doesn't necessarily get enough um, – I don't know if play is the right word, but it's just not a part of the you know the conversation around the water cooler enough is the fact that Ole Miss is the only school in the country 
in Division One football that's sitting there with having hired two former Division One head coaches as its coordinators. That's the only place in the country you can find that with Rich Rodriguez, former head coach at several places, as the OC, and then Mike McIntyre as the defensive um, coordinator. I said Mac, it's Mike, Mike McIntyre. Did I say it right? Yeah. Uh, as a defense coordinator, former head coach out there at Colorado. So Ole Miss went, and, and it's a very unselfish, a very non-ego move on the part of Matt Luke to go and, and hire those two coordinators. If you look at the defensive side of the ball, it's where they have to improve the most, and I think it's where they might improve the most. Um, they're a little more um, experienced now. Obviously, they, they still lack some depth, but the fact is is McIntyre's going to do a better job than McGriff. There's, he's just he's a better coach. Uh, he's more experienced. There's a reason he's been able to do some of the things he's been able to do on the defensive side of the ball in the past. He's a better coach. And so they'll be better on the defensive side of the ball. It's a good thing, too. Still, it'll come down to over the course of the year how much depth and when do you catch other teams and all that kind of stuff. And when you look at Ole Miss's schedule, this is another thing that'll be a kind of a talking point next week when Ole Miss is at Media Days is that opener at Memphis. That's a really good Memphis team, expected to be really good, and they're good on offense. And you're going to play them uh, up there in Memphis – and Norvell, the coach up there, he's got it going. The system is solidly in place. Um, they're a high-flying offense. It could be a very high-scoring game. You know, I, again, it doesn't really mean a hill of beans, but just give you an indication of the narrative of this Ole Miss team and this game, this opener against Memphis, that the, the newly published ESPN Football Power Index gives Ole Miss a 51% chance to beat Memphis up there. So – like 51%, really close, right? Um, to compare that, week two of the season, Ole Miss is going to host Arkansas. That same football power index gives Ole Miss a 73% chance to beat Arkansas, an SEC team. Gives them a 51% chance to go beat Memphis, that AAC team. The other thing is, in the Alabama, Missouri, A&M, Auburn, LSU, and Mississippi State games, uh, this this football power index thing at ESPN doesn't give them much of a chance at all. So, again, in terms of narrative, in terms of talk, it's all going to be about, hey, look, if they're not you know much better, this thing could go south quick. They're going to be underdogs in just about all of their SEC games. Well, all of them outside of the Arkansas game. You know, that's going to be a lot of the talk. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, I'm kind of preparing you for that, that, you know, it'll be um, from the standpoint of a lot of media in the preseason and stuff, it's going to be a look down the end of their nose at you and say, okay, get back to us in three or four years when you get that program back on the ground. I'm not sure that's entirely accurate if um, they are improved on the defensive side of the ball. Again, which I think they will be. And, you know, one way to look at that is, yeah, there's really nowhere to go but up. All right, rolling along, we'll have team number 53 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days coming up next right here on the show. Connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. I did it. Dropped my iPhone, cracked it. 
As soon as I get back to Mississippi, I'll be walking into C Spire to let them fix it for me. See you all soon, C Spire. <laughs> you all stick around. Get into it. Rolling along. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. That's the way it ought to be. You can deal with somebody one-on-one, get to know them personally. The fact is you probably already know your local Farm Bureau agent, members of the community, most of them born and raised right there or close to there anyway. A lot of great Mississippians uh, there at Farm Bureau. So to recap, a conversation a lot about looking ahead to media days next week. There will be a lot of talk about quarterbacks and yeah, different teams. And I believe uh, that it's, it's, a, it's not a con- – I don't ever think that SEC media days is a conversation starter. But what I think it does is it sort of primes – everybody for the conversation. The real conversation about teams and players and stuff, it happens when you're at work and you're talking to your um, you know, your fellow coworkers in early August and you know you're a month away from going to games and that's where the real conversation is. So Media Days just kind of greases the conversation for all of us and sends us on down that slope as we get closer and closer. So how close are we to the start of the college football season? Well, as you know, there's some teams out there going to start, I think, that weekend of the 24th. But everybody in college football will get it underway uh, no later than 53 days from right now. 53 days away is August the 31st. And State will open the season. Southern Miss will open the season. Ole Miss will open the season all on August the 31st. And so that's what we're looking at, 53. And our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days has always kind of counted down to that August 31st main kickoff. So 53 days from today. Here's a little bit of a repeat, but I'm glad it is because we didn't talk about them enough. We didn't have time to really get into it the last time. University of Memphis, the Memphis Tigers, team number 53 on the countdown, making a repeat appearance. They do have great fights at Memphis. So, um, brief recap. Memphis is going to host Ole Miss 53 days from today, August 31st, to kick off the season. The Liberty Bowl there in Memphis is going to be a million degrees on that fake turf in Memphis. You can just get ready for that. And then they'll uh, hit a stretch of games – a stretch of 10 straight games that, according to the ESPN Football Power Index, they have a better than 50% chance, and in some of these a great chance, to win 10 straight. They're heavy, heavy favorites right now, or will be anyway, in about nine of their next 10 ball games throughout the year. Memphis is going to 
host Southern in week two. They go to South Alabama in Mobile, not far from where I am right now here on the beach. <laughs> it's just up the road, in fact, uh, South Alabama. I don't know if South Alabama is going to unveil its new football stadium this year or not. Steve Campbell, a Mississippian, former Delta State boy and coached at Mississippi State and then Central Arkansas. He's now the head coach at South Alabama. That'll be the week three opponent for Memphis. But um, Navy, Louisiana Monroe, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, SMU, Houston, and South Florida, a run of 10 games, and in all 10 of those, Memphis is favored. Again, it, it, look, I'm not at all using this as a gauge of predictions for the season. This is merely a mathematic formula that spits out probability, okay? But what I'm telling you is, right now, the conversation about the Memphis Tigers among people around the country is, do you realize they may be favored in 10 of their 12 games? The only two games that if they were to play today, the only uh, two games in their schedule they wouldn't be favored at Memphis is Ole Miss, which they only have a 49% chance of beating Ole Miss, according to this thing, and Cincinnati. And, again, that's close. So the narrative is, could this be – one of the best seasons ever for Memphis football. Mike Norvell, their head coach, he's in his fourth year, and he is 26-14 and 14 so far at Memphis. Last year, they played – well, they played 14 games last year at Memphis because you had the 12-game regular season, you had the conference title game, the AAC title game, that was their 13th game, and then they had a bowl game. Okay, so they went eight and six. It's, it's you know you don't see that much. A team play that many games, but go eight and six. But that's kind of uh, where they were. Let me give you a few things here, Ole Miss fans. Some stuff you need to know about Memphis. Uh, some key points. And by the way, again, their S and P projected ranking. Yeah, a lot of people do put a lot of stock in this. Bill Connolly over at SB Nation does that S and P ranking, and and it's pretty strong. Their projected record in 2019 is 10 and two. Isn't that a far cry from some of the Rip Shearer days at Memphis back in the day? And it's not that he's a bad football coach, but the truth is Mike Norvell at Memphis has got it rolling. I mean, they're they're putting up points and 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 really really a good football team. They've done a heck of a job. Um, here's one key point that he points out. He went from. And Memphis is going to be pretty daggum good to when he looked closer, he goes, wow, Memphis should go to a New Year's Six Bowl this year. The big hindrance for them, number two point, new coordinators on offense, defense, and special teams. They are getting used to it at Memphis, replacing coaches. And it used to be replacing head coaches. But now for them, because of all their success, is coordinators are rolling in there, coaching for a year or two, and then, boom, going on, getting a big job in a Power Five and collecting a paycheck. In 2017, Notre Dame went in there to Memphis and hired their offensive coordinator, Chip Long. Okay, Norvell goes out, replaces him with a longtime assistant coach, a former North Texas head coach, Daryl Dickey. Okay, that was in 2017. Well, looky here. In 2018... Texas A&M hired Daryl Dickey away from Memphis. So Norvell went out, replaced him with Kenny Dillingham. He had coached him at Arizona State. They had a previous relationship. 
So he hired Dillingham. So then in 2019, your head's still spinning there offensively at Memphis. Auburn rolls in there and hires Dillingham away. And plus, uh, Northern Arizona took his defensive coordinator, Chris Ball, his new head coach and Texas Tech uh, over there uh, stole the um, special teams coach away, Joe Lorig. And then a few weeks later, uh, Penn State got Lorig from Tech. So, like, anybody who has coached or been a coordinator at Memphis has rolled in there and rolled right on out of there. And, you look, it's it's simply a matter of it is a springboard job right now. But they've done a good job of hiring, no doubt. A few other things about Memphis. They should have a great offense. Their quarterback is Brady White. Uh, receiver out there, DeMonte Coxie, is really good. He's a pro prospect. They have a great running back in Patrick Taylor. And their tight end's really good, and he's also on the all-name team. Joey Magnifico, all those guys are back on offense. They are going to be largely underclassmen on defense. If you're an Ole Miss fan, listen to me. Memphis is good. They don't necessarily win with defense. They win with offense. you got to score points, but you can score points against that Memphis defense. It's going to be a lot of new faces, and they're going to be largely underclassmen. I don't know if they'll have a a senior starter on their defense this year. We'll see. And the other thing, like I was telling you, you look at the football power index, you look at the S&P stuff, it's all preseason ranking things. But if, again, none of that means anything in reality until you snap the ball. The point that you're making is, if you're an Ole Miss fan, get ready for it because the narrative, the talking stuff going on about Memphis, just, I'm giving you a heads up, you're going to hear it, is how Memphis is probably, if they played their game, they're they're about a six-point favorite in every game. You know, I give you those percentages. Okay, maybe Ole Miss would have a percentage point here or there in some ranking like the FPI, but if Las Vegas looks at it, they're going to put a six-point favorite on Memphis because it's, you know, they're good and they're going to be at home. So just understand that. And I do think that it's really kind of amazing to me. Uh, I don't know what the reasons are. Maybe somebody does, but it's amazing to me that Mike Norvell's had all that success at Memphis and um, has not jumped, has not bolted. Somebody hadn't come to, you know, Arkansas and come along and hired him away. It's kind of amazing to me that that happens. The new offensive coordinator at Memphis is Kevin Johns. He was a GA under Kevin Wilson at Northwestern. He was uh, his coordinator at Indiana. He went that same title at uh, Western Michigan. Then in last year he was at Texas Tech, so he's a new offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator at Memphis is Adam Fuller. He was at Marshall for a while and uh, did a really good job at Marshall. And then they got a new uh, special teams coordinator in there as well. So, Again, replacing all the coordinators, but they've kind of been used to that uh, there at Memphis. All right, so fourth-year head coach Mike Norvell, Memphis, hosting Ole Miss to start the season in 53 days. I know you're excited. I am too. All right, I'm also excited that we've gotten hour one of the show under us. Another hour to go with you coming up. When that's done, I'm heading out to the beach and putting on sunscreen right outside my window. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. Stick around.